Welcome to Plug In For More, brought to you by EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse is your one-stop shop for all things related to the electric vehicle. Here on this podcast, our goal is to educate, inspire, and hopefully make your transition into the electric vehicle marketplace a lot less intimidating. And now, here are your hosts, Mike, Tom, and Bryant. All right, guys, so I think we're up and recording here for episode nine. I'm excited all three of us are finally back in the same uh, virtual room here to, to do our recording. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm ready to go. Had my cup of coffee. I'm not going to miss another one because I just get ripped on the whole time. So uh, I'll be I'll be sure to join these from now on. Yeah, well, you did start it. So I had to kind of finish it on the last one. Well, you do have plenty to make up for now at this point. Um, it's not <laughs> finished, Mike. It's not finished. <laughs> <laughs> I'll finish you. <laughs> All right. Dorks. I know. All right. Um, the Mach-E. So we're waiting. I'm trying to be patient. I'm not super good at being patient. All right. So it's rant time. Tom, it's it's on you. I know you've got a few things. To, you want to get off your chest specifically about, <laughs> I think it's a Ford Mach-E. Can you lay it out there for us? Look, I'm not super patient when it comes to wanting my new toys. And I'm always wanting that next thing. And I ordered the Mustang Mach-E about three months ago. I knew it was going to be six to eight months. So I have no, no expectation I'd have it now, but Ford comes out and does a recall on Mach-E's because there is a, essentially a software issue that's causing the battery to overheat in the connection terminals, which will cause the car to shut down, could cause a crash. Okay. That's a problem. I get it. So Ford puts out a notice to all the dealerships to say, don't sell any more Mach-E's that have these VIN numbers that came from this plant in Mexico. Like you can't sell them. So they're all frozen on lots at this point. When they first did the recall, there was no known fix. It was just like a, Hey, we're, we're, we're shutting this down. We don't know why. And looking at like mid July for possible fixes on getting these cars back out on the, onto the roadway, getting them sold. But since then I've learned there's a, a it's called by at least by Ford a simple over the air software fix that they're going to be able to push out to all the cars and fix it. So I guess in the end of the day, it's probably not going to change the production of any of the cars. They're still getting produced. They're still getting made and shipped. It's just delaying them getting out on the road and into the driver's hands. But I mean, it's kind of cool that they're doing it over the air, just like Tesla has. And I know there's other OEMs that are going that route. Um, do they say how long it's going to take for them to do that over the air update? And can they do that truly over the air? Like while they're, if someone has an affected VIN that they've already taken delivery of at their house, or do they have to take it to the dealership? Do you know that? I, I don't know for certain, but my suspicion based upon the articles that I read is that it is going to be a truly over the air update, but I don't, I don't know if it requires a dealership intervention or not. Well, fingers crossed. It doesn't delay your, right. your car. In in my reading, I haven't fact checked this either, but one of the articles I read, the, there was a Ford spokesperson talking about how the cost for materials to produce the Mach-E have increased by $25,000 per car. Ooh, that's Does that steep. even seem real? I don't know. I mean, when you think about just the raw materials and um, just inflation in general, I mean, that seems like a lot. But I mean, were they specific about just certain materials or overall cost. I read the same article, Tom, I think to your point, I think it was the battery supplier specifically Ford was using and, you know, listening to some stories about Tesla, you know, Tesla and their own mm -hmm. kind of battery production was interesting because I know Teslas have gone up 
Mike, you know better than I do, but I think it's like 6,000, which isn't that much. But Tesla makes, in conjunction, I believe, with Panasonic, their own batteries, which is, I don't know of any other OEMs making their own batteries at this exact moment. I'm not sure on that either. I guess we could kind of be on the lookout for a price increase for those cars. Kind of like just what Tesla just came out with. I mean, it was across the board, anywhere from two to $6,000 for their their cars and i've got a mm-hmm. model y performance on order that now i think that one um because i went with the white seats it's a thousand dollars more than just the base price it's white um on the exterior that one's at like just over seventy thousand. um and now it's you know i'm almost gaining like three grand on that particular car just by having it already ordered which it kind of goes back to our previous discussion when we said, you know, if you have a thought on a car you might want and you can afford to put down that deposit just to do it. And I know there's a ton of people doing it right now. That might be the right thing to do just to cover yourself. I don't think I talked about this. I took the EV6 in because there was a parking brake software glitch where it can come out of out of um, out of gear and it wasn't over the air. You had to over the air and then take it to the dealer. But it was 30 minutes. It was really simple pretty easy so nothing nothing to complain about there i was kind of nervous at first having a car you know two months and getting a recall notice other than that there's not too much else personally i was reading in the news that speaking of you know price increases chevy has actually lowered the price of the bolt um below thirty thousand, making it that nissan leaf i believe the only two electric vehicles right now below thirty thousand. so Kudos to Chevy for lowering the price of entry level. Um, I mean, most cars are more than thirty thousand, so that puts yeah. that yeah. into the masses. I think that's an opportunity yeah. for people that may be listening that are you know priced out of some higher expensive EVs. Thirty thousands, you're not going to get too many new cars below that. So that's that's impressive. I was just going to say that Bolt's a nice car, um, for, especially for that price point. I mean, it's not going to be the fastest car out there, but for uh, everyday utilitarian vehicle, I mean, it it'll get everything done that you need, and the range is not you know insignificant. I mean, it's not going to be four hundred miles by any by any stretch, but I mean, it's it's a solid option for a lot of people. That's that's fantastic news. It really is. Yeah, yeah, it's a solid city commuter. I think you're right. If you're not going to take too many road trips with that and just drive around town and have a charger nearby your home or close by in the city, then that's a solid option for a smaller mid-sized car. Absolutely. I was also reading Buick. Their new lineup is going to be called the uh, Electra name, which I think is cool because one of my good friends has a Buick Electra. It was his first, one of his first cars and I shot him a note and he's he wasn't like super enthralled with EVs before this came out, but he might have to get a new Electra to go with his old Electra. So pretty nostalgic. I think that's pretty neat for Buick to bring back that name. I think it's a little bit different than the the Mustang, the Ford Mustang, and obviously the Mach-E Mustang. This is going to be the name, I believe, of their entire lineup from the Electra. So that's okay. pretty neat. Um, I thought that was cool. And then I thought this was also interesting. I was reading Jeep is going to go 100% plug-in EV uh, or hybrid in 2023 in Europe and not have a gas option. So I thought that was kind of interesting to read about. I had a interesting scenario the other day. One of my neighbors (laughs) called me and she said, hey, can you help me with my Tesla wall connector? My car's not charging. And, you know, we went through... Yeah, so the troubleshooting and seeing what what lights were were doing what and that sort of thing, and we you know went through the whole again the whole procedure of um, 
turning it off at the breaker, you know, taking the, the wall connector off, that kind of stuff, seeing if there was anything kind of fried, um, having some conversations with the electrician that installed it. Um, turns out that, um, you know, and she'd mentioned this when, when we first started talking about it, her house got hit by lightning the, the day before and it, nothing damaged the car, but the wall connector went out. I'm not sure. It doesn't seem like it would just be a coincidence that the wall connector went um, the same day she got you know, hit by lightning, but they did have a, uh, a full house surge protector. I'm not sure if it was on the same, same circuits and all that kind of thing. Um, but you know, she did have a, uh, an issue there. Luckily it was still underneath warranty. Tesla is shipping her a new wall connector. It's going to take about three weeks or so. So she's been coming over to our house and charging and, you know, and using some supercharges around to get by. But, um, you know, something to think about that, you know, if something happens, you still have other options. I mean, especially if, as this EV revolution takes place, the expansion of the chargers, you can just use the neighbors yeah, right next point. door. That's a good point. I got to give Mike a shout out too, because I was in New York all week for, for work. And uh, I was at the airport delays and all kinds of stuff on airplanes. And my wife texted and she couldn't get our charger at home to work. So Mike was able to help. I don't even know what you guys figured out, but you fi- somehow got fixed. So yeah. thanks, Mike. Yeah, I mean, she's basically had a loose connection, so we were all good. But did it just have to be plugged in? No. So what ended up happening was there was an um, there's an adapter on the level one for the type of outlet that you have, mm. and so that got a little bit loose. So the connection okay. wasn't yeah, it wasn't able to uh, to work appropriately. But we'll ready tidy, and we're all good. Mike comes to the rescue. Mike, you should start a concierge service, Mike. Any listener needs help, just just reach out to Mike. He can help. Where would we be if Mike wasn't here to tell us to turn things to the right to tighten them? <laughs> I mean, I, is, uh, I'm going to not. Thanks, and on Tom. next week's episode, we're going to bring you Lefty Lucy. All right. What are we also going to hear to talk about, guys? You're listening to the Plug In For More podcast. If you're looking for information on electric vehicles, electric vehicles components, or information on how to reduce your carbon footprint, look no further than EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse.com is your one-stop shop for all things related to electric vehicle. A big thing for me, um, and you know, we talk about the transition into electric vehicles, and a lot of people are doing it for their, you know, daily drivers and and that sort of thing. Um, I'm going to make the full jump into that for collector cars too. So as you guys both know, I have a particular vehicle that's very special to me that I've had for a while. And uh, that's a 2005 Ford GT that you guys have both been able to ride in, drive. Um, It's a pretty special car in my opinion. I think a lot of people would um, agree with that, but I'm going to be uh, be selling it in the really near future. Well, that's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, it is. Um, and with that particular car, too, that one's special for, to me in particular because it was the the car in our hometown when we were in college that was roped off that you couldn't you know get within five feet of mm-hmm. that I wanted and thought about and you know, for many years. And then I was able to actually purchase it. So that is the exact VIN as you two are both well aware of, um, you know, and I have all the service records. We know the, the original owner, all those types of things and being able to find it four hours away from our hometown that it was really special to me. And that, that car is in great shape. Um, had a lot of work done to it, but, um, 
end of the day, it's kind of, uh, it goes against everything we're doing here. You know, when I think about climate change and um, reducing emissions, and then all of a sudden in the garage, I've got one of the most gas guzzling sports cars of all time. That's range is 150 miles ish. Um, even less depends on how you drive it. Uh, kind of felt like a little bit of a hypocrite. But you talk about that range of 150 miles. We're sitting here talking about range for electric vehicles. I never considered once for a gas vehicle in range in terms of miles like that. Yeah, I think the EPA rating on it was like a 185 or something like that. And don't quote <laughs> me on it, but somewhere it was less than 200. It wasn't good. Um, it's got a small gas tank. Okay. And this particular car has got a smaller supercharger pulley, so it's running you know, more horsepower and it's got different exhaust and all those types of things, which we know decreases range. And usually when you drive a vehicle like that, you are not, um, you're not going for, uh, the most mileage you can get. It's spirited driving. It's usually, you know, harder acceleration. And therefore, I mean, you're not, I, I don't think I could get more than 170 out of that car, even if I tried. So I'm going to, I'm going to come in here and completely disagree with what Mike's decision is here because I think the Ford GT is one of the best cars ever to drive and ride in and you can feel the rumble on your chest. The motor sits like two centimeters behind your head and I understand the environmental impact, but the fact that you're driving that car, maybe how many miles have you put on it since you owned that car, Mike? Maybe a thousand, a thousand miles, maybe. That's such yep. little impact. Yep. I understand and I respect your decision, but I've gone the opposite, listeners. I've, since the start of this podcast, I've picked up a 97 Trans Am 5.7 liter V8 gas guzzler, but I'm not only driving it, maybe I've put 300, 400 miles on that car. Yeah, but your your thing, Bri, is that's a family car. So you got to explain <laughs> a little bit more here. This, uh, If you're going to go against me here, you got to... You gotta walk that back a little bit and uh, share I mean, some of the reason why you got that car. I mean, my to your point, it was owned the entire time by my aunt in Detroit. It was one of the first cool cars I bought, or she bought. It was the first cool car I ever drove. Um, I just think I just want to be careful of listeners thinking like classic cars are gonna hurt the environment because we just don't drive them that much. I don't have any like I don't have any guilt driving that car a thousand miles a year. Just so little compared to my daily driver i've put already almost three thousand miles on my ev6 in two months so yeah i mean no, that's fair i mean i guess for me it's more it's some of his optics um one and uh two you know i think um this is you know brian with, with your experience and you know being in the collector car industry for x number of years and really being a true expert there one of the things i keep thinking of is you know the the Ford GT has done very well from an appreciation standpoint, right? Yep. Like it's done very, very well. Um, but I do think that there is potentially one EV out there that could surpass it as far as appreciation, um, especially when you look at a percentage basis. And I think you know which car I'm talking about. Um, I do. And uh, I think it's, I think it's, a, I think it's a Tesla Roadster. I, I, I do. I think there's, there's way less of them than there was with the Ford GT. The Ford GT, there's around 4,000 of those built. Right now, there's about 1,500 Tesla Roadsters on them that are even in existence at this point because a lot of them have been you know, either crashed or 
um, disassembled by Tesla. So I think, you know, those being the first really like uh, collector EV, if you don't think of the ones from the early 1900s, um, I think that's going to be a better investment than what the GT will be. Again, listeners may take me to, you know, tear my head off for saying that. (laughs) That's I don't fair. disagree, Mike. I think it's interesting because if you look at the bull market list that Haggerty puts out, the Ford GT is on that list. And the bull market list means the cars we're predicting, Haggerty's predicting, will go up in value the most. The Ford GT is on that list. And this year, guess what? As you know, the Tesla Roadster is on that list. So we'll just have to see. Let's take a snapshot in time. <laughs> right now, the Ford GT, roughly different conditions are between... I'd say 320,000 and 420,000, depending on how many miles and conditions. I don't think there's too many cars for sale, less than 400 right now. So that's kind of the, that's the snapshot in time that we're looking at for the Ford GT. And you would know the Tesla Roadster better than I do around 180, 250. Like, is that the range for the Roadster roughly? Yeah, it's, it's even less. So you kind of have, um, I mean, with the Ford GT, you have the livery edition, you know, that that makes those cars a lot more valuable. And I can't remember what percentage of those have that livery on it, but it's not many. Um, and with the Tesla Roadster, you have a couple different variations that increase and decrease value. One of them, if it's a SIG 100, so Signature 100 or a validation prototype, one of the first um, first cars built, those things are worth a lot more. Or if it's one of the final five. Um, those are worth more than some of the other ones. But um, yeah, if you can get your hands on a SIG 100 car, those are, you know, way over 170 to 200, 220, somewhere in that range, depending on if it was owned by someone famous or what exactly goes on with that vehicle. The other cars, anywhere from, you know, 120 to 170. It's a little bit less, but I think those SIG 100s and those final five are going to go long-term, go crazy. Those yeah. are going to be the, the, you know, seven figure cars hmm. makes sense i don't think you can go wrong either way i think i think both cars can appreciate we'll see long term which one does it uh the most and i'm just bummed because i think uh i think it's an awesome car but i respect i completely respect your decision and i also think it's kind of interesting owning such a variety of vehicles that i own you can kind of like make people think certain things about you depending which car you pull up in so if i pull up my ev yes. people think different thoughts about me as a person if i pull up my 97 trans am firebird if i pull up my 2006 pontiac solstice or if i pull up in my dodge ram pickup truck and so it kind of is cool because you can really be a chameleon and people judge you based on what you're driving and i get way different reactions depending on which car i drive and just for fun if i have people in town i pick them up maybe from the airport in the ev and the next day i'll bring my trans am and they're like thrown for a loop and so i just like the fact that you could pull up in your tesla and the next day pull up in your ford gt and people completely be mind shocked by you so. yeah yeah it's it's really funny like when i would take either one of those cars to the car show like the different people are attracted to the different vehicles like it's a just different demographic who, who want to talk about the ford gt and look at it and then you know the uh the roadster it's again a lot more of the younger kids just gravitate to the uh the roadster it's it's neat um but both of them bring bring a crowd which is fun Um, yeah so yeah i will miss the gt but i think it's i think it's time and um we'll see how it goes and uh it's going up for sale on cars and bids 
Sports.com, which is owned by, um, or at least, maybe I'm not sure what the ownership percentage is, but um, Doug DeMuro is essentially the head of that company. And so I've been um, messaging back and forth with Doug about that car because he's a big Ford GT guy. And as I think you guys both know, he's really big on YouTube, um, multiple million subscribers. And uh, he's never had a Ford GT on his website. And so that was one concern I had was, hey, I mean, I know you love GTs, but you haven't sold one yet. And so he's going to I think he's going to promote it a lot, um, which I'm really excited about because, um, you know, I think he does a really good job and I'm excited to see what he does with it. So one thing with the GT sale, like an anecdotal story that I often tell people when we're talking about EVs and making transitions and by no way, shape, or form am I trying to be diminutive of the Ford GT. It's an incredible car. Like, there's no way around that. But when we came to visit and I drove your GT, it's very fast. It's scary. I almost feel like it's trying to hurt me while we're driving it because it is so fast and so yep. so quick. So we drive that car. It's an amazing experience. And I love this this car. And then we go to the Tesla dealership. And we get into the Model 3 Performance, which is a mid to small size sedan and what a $65,000 price point, I think thereabouts, mm -hmm. Yep. which, you know, at that $65,000 price point by no way, shape or form is at the same class as that four GT, but it's quicker. And I didn't feel like the model three was trying to kill me. So from that standpoint, like it's absolutely mind boggling to me that you have this mass produced, family small to mid-sized sedan that is essentially outperforming a 4 gt in what the 4 gt is supposed to be good at and go and going fast yeah exactly i mean so i think about um i mean the 4 gt is um i would say one of the best drivers cars i've ever been in and say i think same thing for bryant and a number of people like zero to 60 time I mean, daily traffic, in, even if you're on a track, mm -hmm. I mean, a Model 3 performance or even the Tesla Roadster is going to decimate that GT right. up to 60 or 70 or so. After that point, um, and you are driving it appropriately, that GT is going to is going to catch up and surpass those cars. Sure. Um, but I mean, you look at it versus like a Tesla Model S Plaid and that GT is not going to catch it right in a quarter mile. Yeah. Not even close. It'll be a couple seconds behind. Um, and then unless you're going for top speed, then that's where the GT is going to win out. Um, but it's gonna take a long time to Which, get there. If you're living on a track and all you do is drive on a track every day, then great. Like, cool. Like the four GT all day. But for 99% yep. of us out here in the world, we're just looking for a daily driver. Yep. Yeah, which I mean, frankly, I mean, it's a collector car and a GT is not going to if GT for GT is your daily driver hats off to you. And <laughs> um, that's <laughs> I mean, that's a it's a different uh, different realm there. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it was an experience. I'm glad I got to do it. Um, but like I said, I think it's it's time and let someone else enjoy it. And uh, yeah, for me, my, my focus, just my whole heart's behind EVs. And um, that's what I'm going to do. I'll make sure you guys check out our socials. We'll put pictures of Mike's GT up on our social media pages and uh, links to the cars and bids auction when it comes time. And we'll get all that stuff out there for you to take a look at. So, uh, um, so Mike, 
two comments on some things you said that triggered just a quick thing. One, I agree when, when you're driving the EVs, the kids, the younger than 10 years old, see it's an EV and they want to come up and talk to you about it. But the older, I'd say plus 50-year-old men, not interested at all. But when you're driving like a collector car, they want to come talk about it. And so it's completely different audiences. And uh, the other thing is I'm curious once you sell your um, Ford GT, if you'll miss kind of the disconnected like when I'm when I'm in the GT, what I like about it is you're not looking at your phone, you're not looking at any technology. It's kind of when I get in my Trans Am, you're not. It doesn't even have it doesn't have Bluetooth as a CD player and a tape player. So there's just something about like being disconnected from technology that I think appeals to some of the older cars. And obviously, I still love EVs. I just think um, it's interesting you made those two comments. I'd be curious if you miss just going for a ride in a car that's not connected like like a Tesla. Yeah, I mean, so I think I will miss the GT in the aspect of um, I love driving a manual transmission vehicle and you know pressing in the clutch and just feeling the shifting and the experience of the noise and that aspect. But as far as feeling the road, um, the Tesla Roadster, I felt like you feel that just as much from a from the steering perspective and hearing the road um because it's so quiet um and so that's different just because there's no power steering in the tesla roadster and you get a more um analog feel kind of like what the gt is but um yeah i think i think at the end of the day i will miss it to some extent um but you know one thing i forgot to mention earlier is that um super performance who does all the um, Shelby Cobra replicas and that kind of thing. They are working with a group out of England, I believe to make an EV Superformance GT hmm. based on the GT 40. And so it'll be a kit car with a, I believe it's a model SP 100 D drivetrain in it. Wow. And it's supposed to be making 800, 800 horsepower, which is substantially more than what mine has in it. Um, and they're going to be able to make it where you can shift the car too. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool. And so that might be, that might be the car for me if I can get into it. That's the other concern is with those G, original GT 40, like uh, kit cars. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of headroom They're They're not really built for people above six feet tall. So I'm six two. That might be a little difficult getting into, but I really love the look. So maybe that'll be something I go after in the future. Cool. Who knows? I have a challenge for Tom or for Mike, and maybe Tom actually it's for all of us. Let's find Mike like a totaled out Ford GT and do an electric conversion on it. And I don't know of any. There's probably there probably is exists, but I don't know of any personally electric Ford GTs that exist. And uh, if we can find a totaled one that we can do a project on that would be pretty sick that would be the absolute epitome of what i'd love i mean i would love to do that absolutely if we can figure that out and do it um i know a couple people who do conversions one in particular his name is carl medlock out of seattle who was original service advisor or ran service for tesla back in like 09 to like 2013 him and his sons that would be a group I would love to take a wrecked GT to um, and have them convert. And I actually talked to Carl about doing that on my GT before, but just because of the value of it, I'm like, only if the engine blows up or something will I do it. 
so it has crossed my mind i if we can do it let's do it Hmm. all right well mike i'm excited for you in the next transition into uh whatever new ev you come up with after you you offload this gt and i'm excited to see how that thing how it moves and how things work with cars and bids and hopefully we'll uh have some updates here for me soon sounds great and no, i appreciate everything guys and uh let's keep going down the road and see what uh what happens next cool have a great day guys thank you for listening to plug in for more make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes in the meantime check out the one-stop ev marketplace eveuniverse.com until next time